Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. That's Chris over there. Hello. And I'm Rick, uh, just so you can tell the difference um, when you're listening. We're going to talk today about playing live, a guitarist playing live with a band, a combo. Um, he and I do have done a lot of playing live and continue to play live. And um, anybody who's played live knows how much differently you've got to think about your instrument. And, and then it brings in all the other variables too, right? Like your amp and your other gear and all that other stuff. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that. It does sound fun. Let's talk about that. <laughs> all right. I'd love to. Well, you got, well, we both have gigs coming up. Um, yeah, but same day. Let's, let's kind of take it, let's take it way back. Like when we were first starting to play guitar, I, I remember I, I was taking lessons from a friend of mine, you know, just learning classic songs of the day. Um, but I really never played with anybody. Uh, I, I take it back. My brother's a drummer. So he and I, so I kind of had a head start. He and I would play and together, but not a full band. And then once I started to play with other musicians, it was like, oh shit, I got to figure this out. Like, um, you know, if there's another guitar player or whatever there is in this band, I have to find my place in here and not piss on everybody else and make it work as a combo. And so I think that's, it's cool to, to, to start to do that because it'll, it'll really teach you about how you fit into that kind of situation. What do you think? I agree. Of course you do. Yeah. When was, let me ask you something. When can you remember your first performance in front of people? Uh, oh my gosh. Vaguely. Yeah. Can you nail down the era? Was it like seventies, late seventies? Seventies. Yeah. And so it was probably, um, you know, oh, it was, yeah, it was a trio. Yeah, my brother and I were in a trio back then, and we, oh, that's right. we were playing, playing all this brother. funky music. So yeah, cool. and I think it was had to be like a oh, it was a party. It was a party, yes, and yeah, and I'm a, I'm a shy introvert, so of course I was terrified. I'm still, you know, I still get you know a little nervous before I play, but yeah, but it was a party, like a house party, and um, it was fun and scary and exhilarating all at the same time. But um, again, the, the thing about a trio is you you have a more latitude, right, with each right. instrument because you got to fill that space, which I kind of dig. And that's it's interesting that you remind me of that because I, that's kind of where I that's kind of ground zero for me. Like, is that trio? you know, dynamic. And I think I've carried that with me throughout my playing and like playing with you, I had to really get into the space of like, Hey, there's another guitar player here. We can't just play the same thing. We have to complement each other right. and fit as a combo. So yeah, that was, how about you? What was your first? I, I was thinking about this. Um, my first time I didn't have a full band, but the first time playing in front of people was me and another guitar player who put together like a set of music uh-huh. and um, played p- a couple of parties, and it was super fun. That's I mean, cool. it was that was that I was instantly hooked uh-huh. on it. But we worked out a set and did you know a lot of like ACDC, Aerosmith, things like that, so, some um, some Deep Purple and whatnot, and just had a, the first party if I remember correctly. It was like this was in rural Michigan, so put a bunch of flyers. That's ended awesome. up with like hundreds of people showing That's up this awesome. thing, and we were you know playing in this pole barn. So that was a great experience of just looking out and seeing all these people. But you know, and people dug it, which is you know I find hard to believe. It's like just two guitar players up there making racket. But I love it. Being in a small town like that, it was kind of a rare thing to have so people it was playing just music. Two guitars, two guitars, oh, and that's um, cool. And the other guitar player sang. His name was Barry Francis. That's and it was so in cool. Sanford, Michigan, in probably '79. I so. love that. Yeah, that was that was it. And shortly after that, I did manage in that small ass town to wrangle a bass player and a drummer, and then you know, from there we started playing live all the time. 
That's so and, cool. You know, was, being, it, was it the other guitar player too? With no, the addition he, of those other No, he left. Okay. He, he moved to um, he moved to Los Angeles, I believe, Damn. in like 1980 or something. So I had to find other people to play with. So put together just a crappy cover band. And being the small or the big fish in the small pond, uh-huh. we played constantly. That's I mean, as so soon as cool. we were old enough to play in the bars, we played in the bars, but parties everywhere. You mentioned parties, and that was, yeah. you know, even through the 80s, and parties were some of the funnest gigs oh, yeah. ever. I mean, just yeah. like, you know, free-for-all, kind of like just play all night and yeah. have a fun. Well, now, I'm curious to know, like, how, because I know that you're very, like, at this point in your playing, you're very mindful of how to fit into a combo as a guitar player and playing with other guitar players. Did that, was that always the case? Or when you were younger, you were no. like, no, nah, we got two guitars. Let's just rock. No, or, I, I, for the, for a long time, probably almost all the way through the eighties, I was like you in a situation where I was the only guitar player. Yeah. And I've actually learned to hate that after a while. It's just like, you know, I love coming up with parts and interplay between another guitar, yeah. but that was, yeah, I can't think of, I mean, I think in one of those bands way back there, we tried our rhythm guitars for a while, but it didn't work out for uh-huh. whatever reason. But no, I was a three-piece all the way up until very, you know, just yeah. the 90s or something. Yeah. Well, I know that when I've played with other guitar players, in whether it's just jamming or um, in a band situation, that's always been the challenge for me. But but it reminds me, right? It reminds you right away. It's like when you're playing a song, it's like, oh, okay, with the two guitars, we, we got to figure this out. You know, we got to, we can't just occupy the same space because that's pointless, right? Right. You got to come up with, um, and that's why I, I really dug jamming in your band, um, Lowland High, because you had great songs, number one. And then number two, you were very thoughtful about guitar parts. And, and I think we were both in the same mind space of trying to come up with melodic meaningful parts rather than just wankery i mean we you know i love wankery like the next guy but um, totally yeah but i also love like melody and and making parts that fit into a song gracefully so right like probably being raised on stuff like aerosmith yep and you know other bands like that where they're just like these two guitars or scattered or somewhere there's oh yeah very good example Yeah. yeah i mean i would i've never been in a three guitar band but i think that would be really cool i'd love to try yeah because i think i mean that's what's you know for me that's one of the joys of playing guitar is creating parts yeah you know just um you know taking someone's what they're playing look at what they're playing listen where it's sitting and come up with a, a part that complements it yeah and you know that when you take them apart it sounds when you take them away from each other it sounds totally different but when you put them together it makes you know a, a really cool part yeah i agree it's very fun and that that's a great those are great examples too of because a skinner like they were so artful in the way they integrated all those guitars together it's insane and, and what was it? The drive-by yeah. truckers were. I think they had a um, more than two guitar players. Mm. If I believe so, and they did kind of the same thing. It's just yeah. like all these parts that are very unique on their own, but you put them together and you have this sound. I played with a um, a drive-by truckers tribute band. Oh, that's cool. Uh, uh, like a couple months ago or something. And that's one thing. Immediately when the band started playing, is it made me it reminded me of the drive-by truckers and how unique their sound was. Cool. That like I don't know if they detune their E string or something but it's that really gnarly like low uh-huh. growl and yeah and that was developed from you know guitar players coming together and thinking about shit and coming up with a sound yeah, and that's super it. cool it is cool and um that's why like i have acquaintances and and or people i've come across that play are starting to play guitar or, ha- or have played guitar for a while for instance and haven't really jammed with anybody else they've just which is cool but i i always i always kind of um encourage them to go 
go to jam sessions or open mics or jam with other people because it it will help your guitar playing number one and it will also just be this fun exercise of figuring out how you fit into that combo right maybe they have keyboards right and right. maybe they have another guitar player and keyboards it's like okay well shit i gotta figure out how i'm gonna fit into this combo and um i've only played with keyboardists very uh, sparingly, but I really enjoy that because it's another like a, a Hammond B. Right. Like when I was jamming with Jay, we did we did, that guy was playing organ and it's so cool. But again, it's like you know not only what you play, but but the dynamics of your playing. Right. It's like when to like ease up on the on your playing and when to like uh, cut into it and all that other stuff. And yeah. Those are all important things. The dynamics things is <clears throat> I find really interesting too because people's perception of what dynamic playing is is a little bit different and i remember being in bands that were kind of like kind of mellower you know quieter song ballady type stuff and then you know some some roots rocky stuff at the top and a lot of times people's approach to that is like well you're you're not a, a loud rock band just turn everything down my approach is you have to be able to take it somewhere to hurt somebody to make you know to make it the dynamics yeah, available so exactly like, and then you know i love the sound of a super loud guitar played with restraint and you know played quietly there's a you know there's there's the dynamics that i can hear it's just every little aspect of the playing yep. you can hear there but if you're just going to like grind down on it and strum a bunch of chords yeah that's not going to work very well <laughs> so you know having the dynamic range available is what i love about dynamic playing and playing with bands and as a band knowing in that particular band where your place is yep. like you know a band should be able to set up in any club and you know get their sound because it's like they know how to play with their band and you know and sure you know some of the bigger clubs are going to mic everything and you're going to have somebody out you know mixing but you should be able to mix yourself on stage yeah and a lot of you know most of the bands that i've played in do that really well and i like that too yeah. it's like play for the the song and the band i mean that's one aspect of playing live that you get to learn just from doing it a lot yeah and that's the thing i still struggle with to this day is like like you said is 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 I like to just turn all my shit up. Well, not my amp, but like, you know, my guitar is dimed all the time. And, uh -huh. but, but I have experimented with that with, with like, rather than playing like with pedals and like, okay, I have my bass sound. And then if I kick this on, I get more, you know, grind or whatever it is. But I, I like the, your approach because you have this bass sound that is just your sound. And then you, you, it's, it's, it's loud but you play with the dynamics of the guitar, like how softly you pick the guitar or how much you dig into it. And so I've been trying to do that as I play. And it, it is it that is really cool because I think it just it it's it gives you well again, for me it, it, it just it's a different way of playing. Cause like I've said before, I've just dined everything on my guitar and it's like, okay, this is my sound and I play. I, I would like lighten up on my picking from time to time or something like that, but but exactly my paradigm was I have a clean sound and then this other sound. Uh -huh. Rather clean, than just this sound right. that I can manipulate, you know, like you do. Which I think is cool. Yeah, I mean part of it comes from just being lazy and taking that <laughs> I mean, one of the big things about playing live for me that I had issues with in the past is having too much shit or having too much shit to think about yep. on stage, like you know, I know, like and my I got to dial down to where my amp has basically a volume and tone, and you know, and a, you know, volume and a couple of tone things. Yeah. So that's really cool, and it's been solid. I've used it since '96. It's been solid. I can trust it. So that's something I don't have to think about. And then you know, getting the, the pedal board always fluctuates a little bit. Sometimes I'll be like into pedals, and I'll start throwing 
some on there and that's always a bad idea for me because usually it's a cable or a switch right. or something and you know when you have to be really conscious about how much time you're spending doing your shit yeah is um having something mess up so i yeah. pulled it right now my board is good it's pulled down to just what i need keeping that really simple helps but going back to what i originally was talking about uh-huh. is that the dynamic thing of having one tone and kind of manipulating yep. that it part of it is it's just because simple i like really yeah. simple and keeping it simple takes you know that element out of something that can go wrong i mean totally but I'll, also it, it's simple it may be lazy and simple but it's i mean a lot of guitar players that that's their mo like historically like i just i, I crank the shit out of my stuff and then with it and then i use the volume on the guitar to or or how hard I'm playing or how soft I'm playing to to adjust the dynamics of my playing. And I think that's super cool because again like the sounds you get like when your gear is is running at a certain, you know, decibel level is different, right? Like if if I just have my amp on a low setting and try to get it another way, it's going to sound different than yeah. if I have my stuff, you know, at a good level where things are working and and the tubes are working and then yeah. And so I I yeah, I dig that. I do too. Should we touch upon a little bit of the psychological warfare aspect of, of playing live? Because Hello. That's, that's always in there. And that's yes. kind of changed throughout. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I break it down to eras, like the just starting out era, play anywhere, you know, that to like <laughs> having my first crappy, like original band play anywhere, and then to moving out here and, you know, getting more shows. There's always seems like whether it's dealing with the club. Yeah. Without the audience and or other bands, you know, just like the, the psychological warfare of aspect of it. Oh, yeah. What do you have to say to that? Well, I think that's a great point. Um, I can remember when I was young and I was getting gigs and I was just so excited to play live that I, it didn't it didn't matter. You know, it's this, the stage is a post postage stamp and we uh-huh. kind of fit our, all our gear on there. But I didn't care. Or there's two people out there or, you know. Um, as you, as, as you start to play more and more and more and play different shows and you have good nights where everybody's into it and, and then you have the bad night, um, you know, the cumulative effect for me is I still like to play. And so I try to like, I still have bad nights and, Uh and so, but I try to just soldier through them and and laugh about it because it's like, I still want to play. I still want to play live. But you're absolutely right. It, it all that stuff wears on your mind. And it, one of my pet peeves is just asshole club owners. It's like you know they don't pay you shit anyway. Right. Um, you know you're hauling your gear all over the place. It's like just be cool to the band. That's how hard is that to be? Right. It's like don't be this dictator or or makes you know snide comments to them. It's like you know just treat them like human beings. They're playing your club. They're trying to bring people in to, to sell booze to and all this other stuff. Um, just be cool, man. Right. You know? Luckily for me, in the last several years, is it's it's come down for for old people like me, <laughs> old musicians who had their heydays back whenever. Yeah. It's like it's down to a handful of clubs, and for luckily for us, the clubs that everybody you know, my peer of group of musicians plays are, yeah. are super cool. They've got it di- dialed in, yeah. And there, there's there's very you know every once in a while you will run into something where you get some attitude yeah. from somebody and. But it's it's pretty. I mean, I get to play as much as I want and not really have to deal with. I haven't had to deal with any of that stuff That's that you're awesome. talking about. Yeah. In, in a while, you know, maybe on you know a couple of little mini tours yeah. or something where you're playing someplace else. Basically, at this point, it's exactly what you said. I'm playing because it's fun. I don't. I'm not looking to make any money. Yeah. I'm looking to play music that I like and clubs and just you know so if you keep that in mind and everybody follows it i mean i haven't had any bad experiences with bands you know 
bad behavior with bands yeah. or clubs in, in years, which is great. That's awesome. Because I probably wouldn't put up with it anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with playing live for me that's changed in the last few years, and it's probably going to continue to change. Is like I'm getting kind of picky about yeah. what I'll drag my ass yeah. out on a on a weekend for. So, and you know, and I've played quite a bit of shows. It's like I, sometimes I feel like I've already done that show. I don't need to do that show that's again. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just trying to keep it rolling, like getting new experiences and whatnot, whatever little that you can get for that. Yeah. How about you? How often would you say you played the, over the last year? Quite a bit in this band. I'm Like I said, I'm doing this tribute band. Um, so we kind of are playing in different circles because we played some different venues that you haven't played or I, and we don't play a lot of the venues that you play, but um, quite a bit. I, I can't even begin to say um, at least twice a month, probably. That's this cool. Or, yeah, which is cool. I like it. Um, but And like you said, I really haven't come across really bad experiences with club owners in recent times, but I just, I just am reminded of some situations where that just kind of taints the experience. It's like, you know, okay, you know, why are you, you know, pushing yeah. my buttons? It's like, yeah. I, I don't need that. And no, we, nobody needs that. The, yeah. You know, the club owners don't need that. The other bands don't need that. Exactly. We're all in this together, yeah. man. I mean, <laughs> remember when things like bandmates with attitudes oh and gosh. drama and stuff like that, where that used to be a thing? They didn't have a pro attitude, That's, man. Yeah, they didn't have pro chops, pro <laughs> attitude, pro hair, but... No, that's I mean that's one thing. Good thing about yeah. getting older is like you don't have to deal with that anymore because everybody's time is premium. You know, I've only got this much time to dedicate to this, so let's not waste any of it. You know, with any sort of drama. That's so. a good point, and that does make it a lot better. We're not having to worry about your. I can say the same thing. Like the band I'm in now, everybody's cool, everybody's understanding. It's like there's no drama, there's no egos. It's like yeah, right. let's just all work together and do this thing, and and um. Let's yeah. make it. If we're not signed by Christmas, I quit. <laughs> yeah, we're on a track. We're on a fast track to get yeah. signed, yeah. We should talk a little bit about the psychological warfare of just like your own head and being up there. I mean, oh, yeah. we've all had nights where you're just off, you know, and there's like one thing that sets you off and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And that's as I get older is something I try to deal with. And I'm getting to the point where I don't even have to think about it that much is like, you know, you're you're on stage and you're playing and something like your your mind wanders from the song and you see something like somebody walk out or somebody like laughing or something yeah. like that. And that stuff used to used to mess with my head yeah. a lot. Clams. I don't know if there's anybody out there that doesn't have to deal with clams and your clam recovery as you <laughs> exactly you develop a, a, a system for dealing, you know, with clam recovery. It's yep. like, okay, I'm gonna mess something up tonight. Yep. I don't know where it is, <laughs> and it's how you get back. That's part of being a guitar player. So true. How to do so that. true. And I can relate to that completely. Um, again, I think Chris and I are from the same era. We our, our mindsets are so alike on a lot of different things. And I think in this respect, it's the same too. I'm very, I want to do, I don't want to screw up at all when I play. Right. And, and I practice religiously. And like, it, it's funny that you mentioned this because there's a song, New Year's Day, that we do. And I love, it's my one of my favorite songs. And I practice the hell out of this song. I know it inside and out. But the solo, every time I psych myself out, about the solo and it's not even a hard solo it's just it's pretty straightforward but some nights it just won't be there and it's like what the hell am i thinking i practice this thing time and time again but but what i to your point is what i try to do now in the last several years is just like okay that it's a, that that time period is done and now i'm here mm-hmm. and so now i got to just start doing 
not screwing up here. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I try to leave it. I try to leave it behind. Because if you think and then about go it, because if I think a whole new related, <laughs> and that's set me. Of that's my whole thing. Is right. I dwell on that stuff. Right. It's like no, I can't dwell on that stuff. It's like I okay, I, I screwed it up this night. Last night I did it perfect, but. I screwed it up tonight. Let's move on. What's the next song? And do the next song perfect. And uh, it's when I look out on the audience, as long as I see toes tapping and stuff like that, nothing else bothers me. I I mean, in terms of like crowd response, like if if they're not like overtly responsive, like clapping loudly, you know what I mean? After songs. But if I can see when we're playing that they're enjoying, I can see that they're, you can tell when they're enjoying it. They're tapping their toes. They're like, they're kind of engaged. That to me is kind of like. That's cool. I like to see that. And that kind of makes. But the, the, the thing that makes me the happiest at this point in my life is if, if we as a band play well. Me too. I was just going to say. And that, so yeah. like if we have a good night and we've had those nights, it's like, man, we killed every song. And we I mean, and the crowd loved it. And it's like, that's that's what I want. And so if I play well and if the band plays well, that makes me happy. Exactly. Yeah. And I want to point out really quick, because if someone listening doesn't know what a clam is, it's <laughs> oh, a clam. Point. A clam is like. Um, a mistake, basically. I mean, I guess I don't know who started that, but I love the term. It's you clammed up, so that's what a clam is. I've got acres of clams, and we ha- I, no, I I had a one particularly horrible show just a few months ago, and I can tell where everything went wrong. <laughs> we were in this little club in West Seattle, and so we had banjo, two acoustic guitars, right. drums, and a bass. And I couldn't hear any of the acoustic instruments, you know, and I was playing really quietly, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I couldn't hear any of them. So I had nothing to blend into. Right. So I started like maybe had like your average garden variety clam. And from there, I just went because I could hear it so well. And I'm like, yeah. that's all I can hear is this clam. <laughs> and I just started messing up for the, the rest of the show. Uh, it was the worst show I've ever played. Yeah. But it was so bad that it was almost enjoyable. I was laughing by the <laughs> so hard at some of these stupid mistakes that it's like, I'd have to try really hard to mess that up the way I did. Yeah. But yeah, it's just that that mindset. It's like, okay, I, I'm too loud. I can't hear enough of the other instruments. And there was no monitor support. It's like, how do you deal with that? Hindsight, maybe I would have moved in a little closer yeah. or just, you know, found somewhere where I could pick out something to blend in to. Yeah. But if I'm looking at the set list, say I'm playing a song and also I'm like, I wonder what's next. I look down. That's a bad idea. <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to look exactly. down the, because then I'm like, I'm not thinking about the song. song. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned sounding, you know, being most satisfied by sounding really good. One of the things that I can do to help the band sound really good is live in the moment. Stay in play the song. Play the song. Yep. And when you're done, then play the next song. You'll have time to look down and see what's next. But, you know, just anytime I mess up, I'm always thinking about some stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I'll... You know, you'll reflect. I'm like, why did I screw up? Oh, I was thinking about, you know, the, you know, wow, they have a cool poster over there or something like that. (laughs) Stay in the moment. Yeah. And that's, that's another great point is I'm the same way. I can get distracted too. And then it's like, wait a minute, I'm not in the song anymore. And I'm, and that's what I try to do too now too, is like, I listen to artists that sound like they're so in a song that it's insane. Like they become the song. Right. And that, I love the idea of that. And I try to do that, but I, I try to do it more and more and more just because it's so it's such a cool concept. And, and I think when you do that, that's when you are just your people can tell and you, you're you're starting to make an impact on the audience. It's like, Jesus Christ, these guys are in this thing. Right. And that's what I that's what I strive to do as a player now is just like be in that song. That's what I that's where I am. And like you say, exactly. I'm not looking at the song list or anything else. I'm just I'm in this song now. 
And then when it's over, uh, what's the next song on the list? That, right. that, that, and we're going to get into that one, you know? And that comes down to gear, too. I have kind of a, a love-hate relationship with backlines because yeah. they can totally speed things up and make it easy, easier. But at the same time, I can bring my gear. And I'm not really keen on dragging shit around. Right. But I can make my gear work in the time that it would take me to figure out someone exactly. else's rig. Yep. So it's like I'll usually roll that way. But there are times when, you know, you've got somebody up there. You know, we're, we have a backline to save time. But there's an issue with the amp because you're not familiar with it. So you're starting the set off in a psychologically bad place. Right. Like, oh, and then yeah. You, it, you yep. spend from the first song on, you're in recovery mode. I mean, just any element that you can take that psychological point of view and yep. put it in a, a good place, I'm all for that. For me, it's keep the gear simple, know the songs. You know, yep. I don't... Do you warm up before shows or I anything? don't. I don't. I don't really either. I don't. If we have new songs in a set, uh-huh. I'll do that. I'll yeah. kind of run them, you know, dry. <laughs> for me, I mean, it's all going to come down to, like, headspace usually. Yeah, kind of like I was talking about before. We, I remember this show we played, and the guy was just a dick. From from day, we were loading our gear in, and he was on us, like just. <laughs> and and to your point, I it just put me in a bad mood. Right. And now I have to get now I have to get my headspace into like playing my songs and my gear for these people, and you know what I mean. And that's another thing that I think is fascinating that people don't think about is, and, and you and I are not prima donnas by any means, but like uh-huh. I I have I have some empathy for artists who like. Well, I just have empathy for artists who who try to get their mindset to where it's supposed to be to play this music for these people. I, th- another thing that comes to my mind is uh, Nina Simone. There's this great video of her playing piano and singing, and these people, they don't show the people, but they must be talking or doing some other shit, and she kind of stops, or, or, or she, she takes it way down, and she's just staring at them. And she's just staring at them until they stop whatever the hell they're doing. And then she goes into the song. And it's like, to me, that is so freaking cool, man. Because it's like, look, I know you're here to have a good time and you're paying for drinks and you pay to cover. But you know what? I'm doing this for you guys. And so stop fucking around. And and, and I'm going to do this go and just someplace, enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or go someplace and you know, party exactly. where you don't have to go, yeah. listen. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's weird. The, the Yammer songs. I mean, I've always been in bands, it seems like, where there's, you know, the, the quiet songs. And yeah. some of those are my yeah. favorite songs. I mean, exactly. you get to play, like, yeah. really finessy things. And yeah. there's the Yammer you get from the crowd where it's just everyone's, like, talking really loud. I know. That's so distracting. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I understand. You guys are out there doing your thing. But, um it just makes me think more and more about like how hard it is sometimes to get into a good headspace to want to play your music for people. Cause you have to deal with all this other crap. Like you're saying, you haul your gear to this thing and then the, you know, the stage may be too small and you've got all these band members or all these variables that come into play before you play your show. Right. It's like, <clears throat> and luckily like you and I, as, as we get older, we, we, we learn, we've learned to roll with the punches and try to have a positive attitude. And I, most of the time that it works for me, like, I'll just, you know, if I find myself going a certain negative direction, it's like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, just right. focus on the parts that you are fun and, and just do it, you know? And, and that usually works, you know? Yeah. And so have you ever been like the front person in your, in any of the bands that yeah. you Yeah. That's yeah. a different ball game. It is a I different mean, ball game. I think I really like just being a guitar player sometimes. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of the stress out of it. But I mean, I do enjoy... You know, I did enjoy fronting my own band for a while, and I like to sing yeah. and you know present it. But that's a whole oh, new yeah. ball game as far as you know. Like you got to set up the set list, you got to do all this stuff, 
and you know be on and, and like entertain yeah and sometimes i just want to be the guitar player and deal with that <laughs> i totally hear you yeah because you yeah more of the pressure's on you right you're the focal point you have to come up with you know the goods in terms of between songs and everything else and uh that's where audience reaction can really mess with you too. Oh, totally. Like, you know, I'm like, here's my, the song that I wrote, you yeah. know, it's really personal and I'm putting yeah. it out here and watch people like yawning <laughs> exactly. or like leaving. It's like, yeah, you, but you can't let that, you I can't. think I'm getting better at that just yeah. especially as a guitar player. Cause I don't really care. Exactly. I mean, if someone leaves in the middle of a song, I'm like, all right, well, exactly. I'll take your seat. And, and it, like I said before, um, I just admire artists who they might give a, a crap, but in the moment, it doesn't seem like they do, right? And they're right. they're playing this show and shit's going on around them, and but they're still just so in it, and they're delivering this thing because they're because that's what they're there to do, and that's what they're all about. Um, but for me, like I said, usually what I try to latch onto is like whoever in the audience I can see that is enjoying it. That that's what I'm gonna latch onto. It's like okay, those people are tapping their toes. They they dig it. Right. They get it. And then um, from there, it's like I said, like if we play well and if the, you know, we pull it off in terms musically, then that may, that makes my night. It's like, God, oh, we killed that set. I, I love it. You know, I didn't screw up. Nobody screwed up. And um, and we practice pretty religiously, too. I must say we, we, we take it pretty seriously in terms of wanting to get these songs right. So, um, yeah, for me, that's uh, that that that's the satisfying motivation for me is playing well. Yep, I'm I'm with you. All right, are you got any horror stories about? Oh God, so like many playing live clubs, owners, whatever. Well, like you said, um, it's just funny to go to a show and like everybody's gears on stage, right? right. And say so you're the first band to play, and and you know you've got you know maybe two feet to set up all your stuff, and and um, but like you said, I'd rather have my own stuff in a cramped stage than have to dial in somebody else's stuff. And, yeah. if, and it may not even work very well, right? It's like, oh, yeah, that, that one channel has been intermittent. You know, it's like, oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> I have to use this amp tonight. No, I've done I've, I've done backline shows where it's like, you know, it works. And I'm not that fussy, but, yeah. you know, it just depends. I mean, one example is I used, back, there was an a, a Vox AC30 one time that I used was the best sounding. It was great. I That's loved cool. playing that app. Yeah. It was great. Did another show with a Vox AC30, and it was horrible. It was on a stand. It was pointed right at my head. I had the treble all the way down. And it was still like taking my head off. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a testament to how different Voxes are. But, oh, totally. Um, also, it's like, and I did spend a good deal of time trying to get it to sound the way I wanted it mm-hmm. to. You know, it takes me two minutes to set up my rig. So exactly. I'm just going to do that. Yeah, and you and I have small enough rigs anyway that we could fit on most any stage with three bands and, and right. be fine. And so, yeah, that's um, th- yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've encountered where, you know, they want you to use a back line or, or there's five bands and everybody's got, you know, the other two bands have 10 members each. And, <laughs> and so they've got all their stuff on stage. Um, but it, I think it is cool to think about the mental part of playing live. It's it's. For, for you and I, it really is, uh, it's a major part of how, what can affect our night, you know? But but yeah. as, we, as we said, like, the older I get, the more I just try to laugh at, at certain things. Yeah, and, just try and not dwell on it. Once it's yeah. over, it's over. Which brings me to something that I was just thinking about when you're talking about. And it used to be a thing 
not so much anymore. Is board tapes where the um, where the engineer will oh, God. T- tape the show and then you can buy it or they'll give it to you yeah. or something. I never listen to those no, things. They sound like crap. They sound like Nine crap. Times and the out thing of 10. It is, is live music to me is. I mean, I have some live records that I really love, but I like to let it exist in the moment. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, that's good enough for me. We played really well, you know. Yeah, that, and that's good. I don't need to listen to that. Because, well, like you said, any like little imperfections, and you know the the vocals are always really dry and yeah. really loud, and it's just it's just not. I mean, and then you walk away from a, a gig that you said we did great, and you did do great, but to start thinking that you're less great than what how you did. Yeah, that's an awesome point. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a board tape person. Well, I'm not for many reasons, but m- number one is most of the board tapes I've heard sound like crap because they don't no get tape. the room. Yeah. They don't get the room. Like a live recording is the room. The best live recordings I've heard it's where you can tell that they took time to mic the room and mic the band because right. that's the live setting. It's not just the board, what's coming through the board. That's right. crap because they're not even because it's not even like a studio mix. They're just, you know what I mean? And so nine times out of 10, I've heard board mixes that just sound crappy because it's yeah. like, oh yeah. And so, and then again, like you say, it's like, if I feel good about that set, I don't want to hear. Yeah. If I hear one little tiny imperfection, I'll focus on that and go, shit, we didn't play great. You know, <laughs> what are we, what am I talking about? I told everybody I played great and there's the proof. <laughs> exactly. I didn't. Damn. Yeah. But, um, so I'm the same way. I, I don't want to hear a recording of that night. Um, speaking and, of shitty clubs, yeah. I love this it. just popped into my head. I love it. We played a show, and um, probably maybe five months ago, six months ago, uh-huh. where there was um, it was in Tacoma. There was no working back door, so you load your gear into the back room, quotation mark green room, and the, there's a door to an alley, and <laughs> and just open. So that's the kind of thing that I. You know, when we're talking about horror stories, is I want to avoid that in the future too. Is playing places like that. I don't know why I just didn't say, "All right, we're leaving." Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so I spent the entire night, and it was cold, so it must have been last winter. Yeah. And I spent the entire evening on a three-band bill. I think we were playing in the middle, or no, I mean, I've been playing last, uh-huh. and um, sitting back there with the gear freezing yeah. because I didn't want somebody walking off with our shit. Right. So right. yeah, that. Yeah. I mean. That's something I'd like to avoid in the future is playing, yeah. play, no clubs with no working back doors or, or, or multiple doors. flights of stairs yeah. to load your gear in. I played I, those clubs. No, I, I played like those that. too. I think I'm still not too old to do that, depending on the club. But uh, you're right, it does suck, especially you have an AC30. I've got that AC30 yeah. in a flight case and it's a pain in the butt. I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a smaller amp because it's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. But another thing uh, you reminded me of is, is people, not necessarily clubs, but people who want to have parties and they want to have a band because they think it's a great idea Uh right and you get there and it's like a reception for something or it's it's just not the right context for a band right and especially a band like ours and and i think everybody means well right because it's a friend of a friend like you know like for instance one of my bandmates knows somebody that wants to have a party and it's like oh that's great we'd love to have a band a live band would be great it's like well we're loud and we're we play this type of music. Is that really what you want, or do you would it just be better for you to get a DJ or or play Spotify or or whatever? You know what I mean. Uh-huh. And I've been in those situations many more times than I want to be. And I, I I need to be more prudent about like saying yes or no to those gigs because yeah. it, it's not fun for me. Because nine look times at, out of ten it is Spotify that they're looking for. Exactly. They just don't know it exactly. Yeah. 
that I, I've, I've seen that a few times. It hasn't happened in a long time where like there's some club, maybe it's a new club or something. And you come in yeah. there and they're just like, turn it down, turn it down, oh turn it down. It's gosh. like, why do you have live music? Exactly. You know what I mean? And first of all, we can't play quieter than the drummer. Right. We have a drummer right there. Yep. If you can't handle the sound of someone banging on the drums, yep. um, you're not going to be a good venue to no. have bands. No. So, like I said, it hasn't happened in a long time, yeah. but, you know, that whole, like, turn it down, turn it down, turn it down, turn it down. Um, yeah. That that gets into your mental totally. space as well. Yeah, and like you said, it's like, if you have a club with live music and there's drums in a band, that's that's our baseline. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, or or another thing I run in, I have run into in the past, not so much these days, is... is you know, people telling me to, to watch my volume on the guitar, the guitar amp, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll finish the show and people go, God, I couldn't hear your guitar at all in the mix. It's like, yeah, I, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, right. I had to turn down because the sound man didn't want me to turn. Yeah, up. That's, so, that goes back to what we were talking about, where as a band, you kind of know. I mean, no, yeah, you know more than the sound man where totally. you need to be to play with yeah. the people in your band because yeah. you play with them. In the, exactly. And if they can't deal Figure with it that, out. you know, what I mean, there might be something, you know, there's a way to deal with that, and there's a lot of great sound people in Seattle that know how to deal with that. Yeah. Like, you know, a little tiny club, you can't crank it. No. It goes back to, you should know in the band where you need to be. So, people telling you to turn it up, I mean... Well, and there's the psychological aspect of every player who wants to have their instrument at a certain level where you feel good about, you know what I mean? Yeah. About playing in the context of that band. Okay, I can hear my guitar... It's not too loud, I'd think, anyway. And it's meshing with the other band members. Cool, I feel good about it. But the minute somebody says, no, you got to turn way down, it's like, okay, I turn my amp way down. I'm not getting the feedback from the amp that I need to hear in order to get me psyched to play this stuff. Again, that, that's going to affect my night. And it's it's not a prima donna thing or anything else. It's just like, look, you know, I'm playing as a guitarist in this band, and it, you know, our it demands a certain decibel level. It just does. It's rock and roll, right? right. It's like, and again, if, if it's if this is too loud for your club, or if it's too loud for you, you need to rethink what you're doing in, in this club, because it, you don't, you shouldn't have live music here, yeah. you know. And no one's going to fault you for it. <laughs> Nobody's going to fault you go for Spotify. it. Go Spotify, yeah, and then we won't be box. pissed off, and we won't have a bad night, right? Yeah. Well, people. If you're listening out there, we don't know if you are or you're not. I mean, I could, we've seen a couple of responses from people listening to our show, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. But keep checking us out on, um, you know, all the social media stuff and Spotify and all that other jazz and, and keep listening because we're not going to stop until one of us dies. Yeah. Well, knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> all right, man. We're out of here. See ya. See ya.